What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sandcast, presented by our good buddies over at Wilson. Thank you for, for providing our volleyballs. <laughs> and uh, also volleyballmag.com, where we get all our uh, volleyball news. Today, we got a special guest, a coach, ex-indoor player, ex-indoor Olympian, gold medalist, good old Rich Lamborn. Rich, welcome. I, I'm not sure I appreciate you throwing old in there, but <laughs> it's Ooh, accurate, so <laughs> I can't fault you too much. <laughs> nice to be here, guys. Thanks. Older. You look good, though. You look young. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and we missed, we missed former pro beach player, too. You did play two AVPs, as I saw on your BBB. With, two matches. With oh, two matches. Oh, my bad. My bad. My bad. I played two matches in one AVP and lost both. <laughs> oh, and two was my... Official AVP record. I was cracking up yeah. when I saw that you played with John Bronstein. Yeah. I freaking love Bronny. He was one of the first guys I met when I moved here. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> he's he's awesome. Uh, yeah, he was. He used to be, at the time, he was uh, the top CBVA guy, you know, like the top AAA guy yeah. in California. Yeah, he's he was a great player. Especially, you know, I mean, he's like a 6'1 guy. Yeah, but just could just, like, cut, shots cut you up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you had to essentially be standing on the four-foot line cross court to get that thing, and it was big court back then, you know. And so uh, we essentially survived on serving, and uh, this was the Seal Beach, I think, the 2000 Seal Beach Open, and we played Mike Whitmarsh and Canyon Seaman in the first match. <laughs> Dream draw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got nine points. It was fifteen nine, you know, just one set to fifteen. Uh, and it's debatable how much effort they had to lay out to, you know, <laughs> give up nine points to us. That was like a moral victory yeah. <clears throat> from our side. And then we played Matt Unger and Matt Lyles. I don't know if you know either of them. Uh, Matt Lyles was a national champion at, at Long Beach State uh, and one of the best, like, serve-receive guys probably ever. Um, if he'd grown up in the Libro era, he would have been an amazing Libro. Uh, and then Matt Unger was a setter at Northridge. I've heard that name. Yeah. Yeah, you know the name. I mean, he, he and his brother both played. He was part of the 1993 Northridge team that was in the finals against UCLA. Uh, and he played in front of Geeter. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. My favorite, one of my favorite all-time <laughs> Geeter quotes is, you know, we're, we're playing for Fletch and the six-man. <laughs> and Geeter's doing his pregame pump-up speech. And he always kind of singles a, a, a guy out, right? And he goes, he says to Unger, his great friend since their college days, he goes, I gave up 24 years of my prime to you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you owe me this match, right? <laughs> it's fantastic, yeah. So we lost to those guys in, I don't know, what conditions that were probably similar to today, real windy. And it was like 5-0, five, 5-5. Ten five, <laughs> ten ten fifteen ten. Yeah, we got the wrong side of that, so we lost fifteen ten, and that concludes my AVP. <laughs> I would love to see you and Geeter on the mic together. Uh, the sarcasm well, would be flowing. It would be. Uh, we we actually had the chance briefly in hunting in the uh, AVP slash FIVB Huntington oh, this event last year. Last year, um, yeah, I got to do. A match or two with Stoklos, which is always fun. Yeah. And then I got to do, I think, just one match with Geeter. Unfortunately, it was the match that Jake and Taylor lost to John Mayer and Trevor. Right. Uh, yeah. So, 
Yeah. Our success rate as far as my team goes with Gator and myself on the mic is not good. We, <laughs> we might want to avoid that. <laughs> but it was certainly fun. I mean, anytime you can just be around that guy, in my opinion, yeah. it's awesome. And certainly uh, learning anything that he's got to uh, teach you mic- microphone-wise. Is, yeah. I feel like you're like, I got to do a, a crab-on-crab match in the Manhattan Open, uh, whatever, two years ago or something with mm. Gator. I felt like I was just learning as I went. Right. He's like, we're we're doing like the normal, you know, things that I, I was used to on the mic. And then he just kind of like turns his chair and starts looking at me. <laughs> yeah. He's like not even looking at the match. And we just start having like a face-to-face conversation. I was like, oh, is this yeah. what? Is this what we're supposed to? <laughs> oh, hey. Right, <laughs> like, right. But then he like brings it back to the match and like tells you about a story like 15 years ago about that guy and his dad and like just like pulls it off the top of his head even though he's fully his real job is basketball now yeah it's amazing well it's it's fascinating to me because uh if you watch him on the lakers the show that he does with james worthy and robert ori for crying out loud i mean mm-hmm. big his, shot bob yeah his knowledge of uh that sport and its history is unbelievable mm-hmm. but i mean he has that same knowledge of history and everything in volleyball as well. Yeah. I mean, just the capacity of his brain, at least for statistical stuff, is unbelievable. I can't remember what I did yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> this exactly. guy remembers, like, individual people's statistics yeah. from years and years ago. Especially the players that were, like, on tour. I think, yeah, so Jake was playing in that match, and he's, like, obviously he knows everyone's, like, birthday and like middle name and their mom's name and yeah funny story about his brother and like all this crazy stuff I'm like you haven't even been the announcer on tour for a decade right and you're still busting out all this yeah just putting us all to shame right now it's just in the vault yeah, yeah. well it, it's uh it's funny you bring up jake because a, a while back jake posted some video of himself in high school, I think, back in Utah. Oh, playing so great. Yeah. Oh, you remember that video? Oh, yeah. And he blocks someone, and he looks so, so goofy with the long the hair. And, yeah. <laughs> and and Geeter saw that and referred to it as a Muskegon tree stuffing, <laughs> which was like some reference to something Jake had done at the Muskegon uh. Uh, tournament, AVP tournament, you know, years and years and years later. <laughs> but just, you know, that's what it conjured up in his mind, you know, it's... It's really quite unbelievable. <laughs> I loved his intros because he would tell you about you. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, like, people are like, wow, this guy sounds, oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> you know, and then just be all <laughs> jazzed up and run out, you know, and then do it to the next guy. Like, yeah. he had a way of pumping all four guys up right. without playing favorites, which is right. pretty hard to do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Well... Well, on the topic sort of, of Jake, you're working with a very different type of Jake Gibb now, not the mop top uh, <laughs> high school <laughs> right. kind of Bambi leg kid. Um, so how are things going in the 2019 season so far? I'm sure that did Fort Lauderdale kind of shake up the training schedule a little bit? Uh, <clears throat> yes, it did. But I would argue that it shook it up in a positive way for us because uh, both of my guys were out of town for almost the entirety of December. Uh, Jake went down to New Zealand with his family uh, where Jay, Jason Lockhead got married uh, down there. Uh, so they did that and then kind of stayed and went to Australia and, you know, did some sightseeing for a couple of weeks. And then T-Crabs was in the island. I, you know, I don't know that that's really <laughs> like 
taking time off because I know you guys play. Well, he plays everywhere yeah. he goes. He plays everywhere he goes, yeah. Two and man, one man, five man. There's no getting away from it because Chris grabs out the, on the courts right. every day, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so family time is volleyball time. Yeah, totally. Uh, but, you know, so that was going to mean that January, January was kind of like a cram session for us leading into Fort Lauderdale. Uh Fortunately, we don't have to do that. I mean, it's a dis- it's a disappointment for sure that that tournament is not happening, especially being a five star. Right. Um, <clears throat> but you know, we have like some f- physical issues that we would like longer periods of time to help uh, recover, so forth. So it ended up being a good thing for us because now we don't have anything till mid March. Right. So is Do- Doha first one on the calendar? I think so. We're uh, debating Sydney. Depending on whether it maintains its star rating or not, I mean, yeah. it keeps sliding down the scale. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's good to get competitive reps in if you can, and if it sort of makes sense from a travel standpoint. Uh, it's it's strange. I don't know if you guys are experiencing this with trying to put together your schedule or not. Like, we had it all mapped out, and then Florida got removed, and somehow that seemed to like throw our whole year off kilter, <laughs> even though it was kind it was of a one off. Right. Six weeks before the next one. Well, there was another Florida, right? So there was a three-star we had the choice of playing in after in Florida. Ah, right. And then there was Texas. There was a Texas and then a Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, Those all got taken down. Those were later, I think. Those were later. Yeah. Dude, the schedule, it's like, can FIVB just give us a little bit of a break and, and maybe make the travel schedule, like, go around the globe yeah. rather than like <laughs> halfway around one way, back around, down to the southern hemisphere, back to the north. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is kind of an issue in the sport of beach volleyball, right, that you have individual promoters. So right. if you're promoting your event, you, you have very little, us. if any, concern for right. anyone else's event. You right. just have to figure out what works for you and how you're going to generate the funds and whatever. So it's unfortunate. You understand it from their side. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm in agreement with you. It'd be nice if we could go one way and not go uh, Brazil, could. China, over uh, Portugal, Japan. You know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever those stops are. I it's, think that's uh, exactly the beginning of our year, right? <laughs> right. Oh. It's uh, it's pretty intense. I think the tennis tour does. Um, they go more in order. Like yeah. if we could go knock out Europe in one go, that'd be pretty nice, right? And then we kind of go do the Asia's, and then yeah. Make our way around. They're also, the world, you know, I mean, they also have the luxury of playing in some indoor venues, so they can kind of work around times. A little more money in the sport. A little more money <laughs> in the sport. Yeah. Well, I mean, golf certainly does that in this country too, right? Mm-hmm. Early in the year, they do the Hawaii, and then they're Florida and kind of Texas and California and whatever. But flying uh, first class around the U.S. is it doesn't seem yeah. that hard. <laughs> It's not even first class. It's like your own. All those guys their are own like jet. Net, net jets or <laughs> yeah. Spirit yeah. Airlines, yeah, like, baby. Oh, we're here. Damn it! <laughs> it's just getting comfy. <laughs> so this is what your second year, kind of being full time coach. No, uh, just, no, I've been doing it for for several years now. Uh, I started in 2014. Okay. Um, I was just done with the indoor team and. It worked out that uh, Tyler was working with Jake and Casey and, excuse me, Emily Day and Summer Ross at the time. And so uh, for those who aren't familiar with the USA system, each team, you know, if you're in the top three within the USA program or top four, I guess, can assign a coach 
uh, that can travel with them. So since he had two, there was an open spot there uh, where, you know, I mean, he was signed up with them and, you know, making the, the coaching stipend or whatever. But um, it was an opportunity for me to work with him and work with those teams and still travel with them okay. as well. So I kind of got my feet wet that way, worked with Emily and Jen Kessie <clears throat> the following year, uh, Theo and Casey after that, and, uh, yeah, and then now Jake and okay. Taylor. So have you, have you kind of settled in? Because I know a lot of times when, when athletes take on coaching roles and you were like a phenomenal athlete for a long time, what was the adjustment like going from – playing to getting into that coaching role because we've we've talked to jose about it a little bit and he said that you really have to like kill the player in you to become the coach like did that take a while to phase in and out uh yeah i mean he would have maybe a certainly a different and probably a better perspective on that simply because he's one of the all-time greatest in this particular sport so I played indoor volleyball exclusively. So I didn't I don't have like anything in me that thinks I'm a better player on any level than anyone <laughs> I, I'm I'm working with on the beach. You yeah. know, like I played enough. I got my triple A a couple of times and you know, had a storied AVP career as we've discussed. <laughs> uh, you know, but there's not like for Jose that absolutely has to be a difficult thing to go like I was out here beating up fools like this who are now getting you know whatever finish right, right. like that's that's tough to deal with uh, to give you a little bit of frame of reference from my perspective on that uh, one of the most beneficial conversations I ever had with the coach was Hugh, Hugh McCutcheon who was our coach in 08 when we won the gold medal uh, he told me that I needed to get rid of any existence of this outside hitter that existed in my head if I wanted to be a, as good of a Libro as I could be. Because in college, I went to BYU, I played outside hitter because Libro wasn't even a thing, fortunately, so I got to play in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, you know, I mean, fortunately it did exist because I wasn't good enough at that position to play the international level. Uh, for the national team anyways, right? But I'd go play in these places overseas, Belgium and Austria and wherever, and play with these guys who were outside hitters. And I'm like, dude, for sure, I'm better than this guy. And by nature of the position, they're probably making more money than I am. Right. And so that was really like, that was difficult for me mentally. Right. Uh, but he was like, look, if your goal is to make as much money as you can, <laughs> entertain entertain that and try and get uh, on somewhere as an outside hitter. But if your goal is to be as good a Libro as you can be for the USA team, which is what my goal was, you need to forget about that and you need to invest wholly in trying to be the best Libro you can be over there in this gym, so on and so forth. And so uh, that was such a great call by him and, and something that was so pivotal to my development in that position and so probably that is similar in a way to what Jose's talking about. Like I have to forget about comparing myself, the all, one of the all-time greatest players, uh, to these guys that are playing now and just figure out how to make Triborn the best Triborn he can be out there. Right. We're now going to take a quick second 
for a word from our sponsors. And before we do, we just wanted to thank you guys, as always, for listening. You are what keeps the show going on. Um, Now, if you want to do us a huge favor and drop us a review on iTunes or Podbean, we would greatly appreciate it. If not, support our sponsors. They're the ones who also keep the show going. So any support in any way, we appreciate. So here's a word from our sponsors on Sandcast. This show has been brought to you by Firefly Recovery. Now, I know that uh, I have done a terrible job with my recovery all season long, which is why I'm a huge fan of Firefly. I always thought recovery, you had to go get a massage, it had to be an hour-long thing, but it doesn't. With Firefly, all you have to do is just strap this thing on to your knee, which is what's been bugging me, and you can strap it on at work, so you can do your recovery while you're getting paid and doing your work. You can strap it on during an airplane, which is exactly what I did on my way to Maryland for New Year's and Christmas. You can bring it on the way back from the plane. You can do it in the car ride. You can recover on the go, doing whatever you want, which is exactly why I love Firefly. It does everything that you would need it to do. It moves the blood flow down there, and you're naturally recovering. You don't need these enormous Normatec boots and be grounded. You can do it on the move, on the go. It's a huge help for me um, with how much you have to lift and play beach volleyball. I highly recommend Firefly Recovery, so check them out. Uh, If you are an athlete, if you are just uh, a weekend warrior looking to get that soreness out of your muscles, Firefly is the way to go. So hit them up at fireflyrecovery.com. Give them a try. I highly recommend it. This podcast is also brought to you by Wilson Volleyball. I know if you've been following beach volleyball players on Instagram lately, there's a lot of complaints about how difficult it is to play with the dreaded Mikasa, which is used on the international tours. But if you're not playing internationally and if you're not playing P1440, whose season won't be rolling around till late fall anyway, we are back to using the Wilson people. So hallelujah and celebrating that. So if you need a, a refill on Wilson balls, they are the best balls in the market. And best thing yet, we give you a 20% discount here at Sandcast if you use the discount code Wilson Sand. By far the best ball. The college players use it. The AVP uses it. Almost every grassroots tour uses it. The CBVA rocks it. There's a reason that everyone uses Wilson. It's the best ball on the market. Highly recommend you pick up a bag of Wilsons today, especially if you want to use our Wilson code, Wilson Sand. So go ahead and get yourself a bag of volleyballs today or any other equipment you might need. I'm sure you probably brought a fair amount of that defense, though, to Taylor. I mean, you look at Taylor's game, and he's... I do take full credit for Taylor. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I mean, I think... I don't know. What's what's been interesting to me, and to kind of circle back to your original question uh, about adjustments coming out to coaching from playing, uh, I mean, it's been a huge and ongoing learning process for me because I don't have personal professional frame of reference to the game where, you know, like Jose has however many years, 20 years of repetitions and tournaments and all this stuff that he went through in this particular discipline of the sport. And I don't, I have, I think some technical expertise that has a high degree of transfer that I can bring. Uh, But the rest of it, strategy and how, how do we accomplish, you know, getting that team out of system or how do we accomplish putting them in positions we want them to be in that we feel are advantageous for us? You know, it's it's vastly different outside than it is inside. <clears throat> so all that stuff is stuff I had to learn, stuff I'm absolutely still learning, stuff that's constantly evolving. Even if we know it all today, tomorrow it could be different, right? Mm. Uh, and so that's that's been the challenging and in a lot of ways fun part 
for me and then just trying to apply whatever my knowledge may or may not be to that. Right. What was kind of the mindset coming in when you, like, you obviously, like you just said, you didn't have the, the beach experience, but now you're going in and you're coaching Jake Gibb, mm-hmm. who's like, alone, his one of the best volleyball minds in the sport, like, right. and he's a blocker, you know, like stuff that, it's almost opposite, but obviously, for however many years now, he's wanted you as his coach. What was kind of the approach there? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly, um, I, I don't approach coaching as like, hey, I'm, Here's what you do. I'm the boss. Yeah, here's right. what you need to do. Right. We have, uh, I think, a pretty good vibe within our team that, that it's collaborative. You know what I mean? It's not like me saying stuff. It's like us talking about things and mm-hmm. kind of collectively deciding how do we want to go into this match? How do we want to play against this player? Um, and, and certainly by nature of the fact that both of my players have a much greater wealth of experience than I do in playing the sport, I defer to them. You know, I can watch video, I can watch a match and, you know, see things or think I see things and go, hey, guys, this is what it looks like to me. What do you think? And, you know, I mean, Taylor's out on the court trying to play defense against a guy. Jake's out on the court trying to block. Uh, If you've watched volleyball, you know it's a lot easier to sit in a chair over here and go, oh, line or whatever, right? <laughs> Just yeah. pass it tighter. Yeah, or, or whatever, right? Because you can see this guy doing this and you don't have to physically react. There's mm-hmm. a there's a much uh, greater degree of difficulty, obviously, if I have to try and interpret both visually and mentally and then physically right. <laughs> respond to that. So I, I always defer to those guys. But I again, I try and bring whatever I have to them. And then they kind of like fill in the gaps with, you know, in Jake's case, 20 years of experience at the highest levels. Hmm. And I mean, and in Taylor's relatively short career, I mean, how, how much amazing stuff has he already done? So I'm, I'm never going, uh, no, let's do this. I'm (laughs) kind of saying, Hey, here's what I think. What do you think? And then let's decide. So we're all on the same page simply, you know, I, I think that's important because, if that works, great. We can kind of make a notation of that and then know next time like that worked for us. And if it didn't, we know that didn't work, so we can kind of adjust from there. But if you're thinking this and I'm thinking this and he's thinking the other thing and then something doesn't work, how do we know where to start right. fixing stuff, right? I'm really curious. What is a timeout like with you in the box with Jake and Taylor? Because they're such different personalities. Yeah. So, like, do what is it like? How does the narrative go in there? Like, is it mostly you and Jake talking, and Taylor just kind of nodding along, just knowing that he's going to get a dig anyway? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it depends on, you know, if it's if you're talking about a timeout that we've had to call because we're down, right? Um, oftentimes, I mean, pretty much all I'm going to say, unless there's something specific that stands out that we can go like, hey, it looks like they're doing this to us. Let's be wary of that. Uh, I like the notion of kind of narrowing our focus if we get in some sort of rut, whether it's side out or otherwise. Uh, you know, because you hear a lot of teams go, okay, hey, let's just side out here. But we can narrow it further than that, right? Yeah. We can go like, hey, let's pass this ball, then let's set this ball, then let's spike this ball. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's not go, hey, 
we side out here and then the score is this and then we're only two points down or whatever, right? Like you're kind of putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. Um, and so, so I like to, to try and bring us in like that just a little bit. Um, yeah. And then, you know, again, it's, it's kind of up to them, you know, they'll, Jake oftentimes has an inside or, you know, I mean, they're, they're very good too. It's, uh, taking blame sounds like a terrible way to say it, but <laughs> it, taking responsibility is maybe a better way to say it. Hey, I'm not doing this. Uh, I'll be better going out of this timeout with this or the, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and so again, it's, it's a little bit collaborative. I'll just try and get us to think about narrowing our focus. Usually each guy has something that they're going to pick up or they claim they're going to pick up. <laughs> uh, and then, and then we go and try and do it. Yeah. I feel like over accountability is a good problem to have on a team. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, you know, we all, have seen plenty of examples of guys, especially in beach for some reason, it seems like, um, you know, I make a mistake and then I glance <laughs> menacingly at my partner, right? Like that, that was his fault. So somehow. much. It yeah. says so much. You might well, as well and, just say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting though. You know, I mean, I, I uh, was not great at that during my playing career. I could have been a lot better at um, you know, I think I was a good team guy and that I wasn't like selfishly motivated, like, oh, I need all the adulation and all that stuff. But I could have been better at kind of not burying a guy, like realizing that if I bury you as my partner, that's actually hurting me. Right. Right. So it's very like I feel like I'm being self-serving in a way, like everyone sees that wasn't my fault, but I'm really hurting myself ultimately by dragging my team down. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm very fortunate to work with guys who don't do that on any level, like quite the opposite mm. almost, right? Like if Taylor hits a ball out, Jake's quick to go, that's, you know, that's a bad set <laughs> and <laughs> vice versa, right? Yeah. Uh, and so that's unfortunately probably unique <laughs> in today's day and age, <laughs> yeah. certainly on the men's side, you know, I mean, I think, I think women don't quite do that as much, but we know plenty of examples on the guy's side of partner barriers. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Partner barriers. <laughs> yeah, there's uh I, I have to agree with that. I mean, it's just like the smallest things that you can see. I mean, internationally, probably the worst teams I've seen. You know, some of these, there's like t- teams that would fully just fall apart and quit in the mm-hmm. middle of matches and it's mostly just because of those small, subtle things. Like, Said a guy hits in the net and he kind of drops his shoulders and turns the other way. Right. Uh, stuff like that. And then the partner looks at him, like, gives him a little something. And now the whole crowd and the opponents and everybody's kind of just watching their little drama unfold. And all they did was kind of, like, yeah. give little subtle body language things. And the whole match falls apart. Well, yeah, and you know as a competitor, when you see that across the net from you, you start yeah, licking attack. your chops a yeah. little bit, right? And it can be part of your scouting report. Let's see if we can get these guys chirping at each other. You know the teams that are kind of susceptible to that type of behavior. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's nice to not have to deal with that too much. Yeah. Do you, ever, do you ever get the itch to play anymore, or is that kind of... No, again, that's, uh, like I was saying in regards to Jose, like, never at any point in my life have I been 
at the level of, of you know, try or anybody that's out on the world tour. So it's not right. like I'm going like, dang, I want to get out that there. That should be me out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Tyler, for example, Tyler Hildebrand was a lot better beach player than I was and has a lot better AVP record <laughs> than I do. And so I think he deals with that sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, especially he was kind of the direct opposite of me in the sense that uh, his career was cut short due to some physical issues. And I was uh, very fortunate to have very few, if any, um, throughout my career. So I was uh, extremely lucky. Libero probably helped you a bit there as well. It, it did. It, even in college, you know, like uh, uh, when I was swinging at balls and, you know, I don't know if you can call it jumping. I was sort of <laughs> leaving the floor temporarily. <laughs> Um, you probably had like what forty pounds less back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like stoked to be around two hundred in college. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't really get that. It's just because I don't, on any level, think that I would be competitive with like what I'm seeing on the court. You know yeah. what I mean? I can so, see that 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 inner fire burning in Tyler a bit. Yeah, but he does a really good job of like bringing it together and like all right i'm here to help i'm here to coach and be as good as i can be as a coach but you can see it under there like yeah wanting to come out for sure it comes out too and just kind of like his uh celebrations you know when his when his people do well right you can feel that little bit of uh living vicariously vibe yeah yeah and speaking of tyler you actually help coach the national team as well which right it's, it's nice for me because I get to steal a little bit of knowledge when I come to the national team practices from you, who's my, probably my biggest opponent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My biggest opponent's coach. Um, what's kind of uh, the mindset there for you, like helping all the teams, helping Hildebrand with what he's trying to do, which we can also talk about. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's interesting. I'll, I'll answer that, and then I'm curious as to what your take is right. as a player because uh, – you know, I view it as hugely beneficial for our whole program, which mm-hmm. is obviously Tyler's goal as the head coach. And then, you know, I mean, for those hours, certainly, uh, it's my goal as well. Uh, you know, I mean, we certainly believe that a, a high tide rises all boats and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and we feel like, you know, we've identified some specific things that the world in general is doing at a high level, and so we're trying to add those things into you know our top teams' right. repertoire a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the viewpoint that like, hey, these are my competitors. You know, like indoors, totally different. I could be competing against you as an outside hitter, but if you beat me out, I'm still on the squad, and we're still fighting for the same goal and all right, that stuff. Right, right. But beach is different in that if you beat me out. I'm over here and I don't get to play in the tournament maybe and you do and and blah 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 so I I get that aspect of it that it's it's weird in a sense to help your competitors out or whatever but my retort to that to, to people who offer that opinion is if you perceive yourself as having an advantage over me you know like just Today, mm-hmm. you feel like you're 20% better than me as a volleyball player, whatever. If we go into the same training, why is it that we automatically assume as players that now, now I'm going to bridge Absorb that gap? That. 
Yeah. I'm going to make up that gap all of a sudden. Like, why don't you just get better at the same rate I do? And you maintain that 20% advantage, totally, right? Yeah. That's, that's the mentality I feel like we should have mm-hmm. as competitors, but you know, we, we like to get into this, like, I don't want to show them all my cards and right. <laughs> we get into that sort of vibe, right? That's why I'm curious what your yeah. take is as a player. I mean, in the beginning of my career, I was more bought into that for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, where or bought into the, the side of like, you know, I got to do everything I can to beat this guy. I don't want to show him anything. What if they, they see this drill or right. like, or see certain skill of mine and how I work on it and be like, Oh, that's how he does that. But over time, I just like don't buy it anymore. Yeah, I'm totally. Well, first of all, I love the idea of us. I'd like to go to FIVBs and tournaments and feel like I'm part of Team USA. Right. And ideally, I'd like to go cheer for my other fellow Americans. Right. That'd be cool to me to be able to go out there and like, let's go USA. Go to matches when we're not playing, which I plan on trying to do a little bit more of, um, mm-hmm. rather than like last quad, which was basically just like F Jake and Casey. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I, and see, I get that. It's very tough when you're at the tournaments. You know, I don't in any way expect that other teams, because it's, it would seem disingenuous, right? right? If you're there cheering for a guy, mm-hmm. like let's say hypothetically you're out of the tournament already and you're cheering for a guy to get on the podium, which is now going to extend the exactly. lead they have over you. know, I mean, we're all trying to get to the Olympics. And mm-hmm. I mean, you've been on the wrong side of being a very, very good and highly ranked team, but slightly behind two other teams from mm-hmm. our country and country quotas keep you out of the Olympics. So it's hard for you to cheer for those guys yeah. under those circumstances. And but no one will. No one will. <laughs> right. And and see, to me, that's not your responsibility, but we can train together. Totally. And it's not the entirety of our training. It's just supplemental, as Tyler says repeatedly, right? We're just trying to add skills to everyone's yeah. playbook. I'm I'm concerned now about how good can I be. Mm-hmm. I don't give a crap about where the other teams fall on that. Right. And the way for me to be <coughs> as good as I can be is is by playing against. If I can go training against Jake and Taylor all the time, I guarantee I'm going to get better. Yep. They're probably going to get better too. Great. We go back on the world tour and we can we can be dominant again. The U.S. Yep. can be dominant again. That that feels good. It right. does not feel good to see. Brazil dominating the world tour in the U.S. like not even in the top ten or something. Not right. that that's been the case, but pretty close. Right. Um, so I'm more bought into that. So like, let's get better. Let's all just work on getting as good as we can be and forget worrying about what where the other teams fall. You know, yeah. if they're better than us, then then great. But at the end of the day, I know that me training against them made me better. Right. Um, to me, that's the right mentality. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I want to be the helps. best I can be and go out and play the best I can play. Because what else can you really do? Right. You want to win because you were good, but also you hamstrung the other team somehow. Right. You exactly. know, like it's, it's weird. So that's a perfect. And if someone does take uh, some, something out of my book, mm-hmm. then now they're challenging me to, to one up it, right? Like right. gain the same amount uh as I got to gain the same amount as they gain. Right. They've gained 5% on me. I got to get that 5% back. Uh, and I think that's the only way to go about it. Um, so I am, I'm super bought into the whole system. I'm very grateful that like you think that way. Cause mm-hmm. now I get to hear some of your input at practice. Mm-hmm. Um, Patty Dodd, Tyler, a bunch of coaches are coming out and doing it. 
Um, and yeah, I, I love it. I think Tyler's got a really tough job. I don't even know if he can define what it is yet. Like he's been having <laughs> to like make it up. It seems right, like right because when he first came in, it's like what you you want. Well, I think they finally ball. named him the head coach because it was like coaching director or something. Yeah. But now it's the head coach, which is a little bit more official. I like that. It allows it, yeah, it's it's more proper. I think it allows him. I think um, some ability within the USA Volleyball organization to request some things. Right. If you just have this abstract title, yeah. it's hard to request funding for this. But if you're the head coach, you can say like, look, uh, John Sparrar, Karchi gets this as the head coach for his team and his totally. team. So I would like this for my team. Mm-hmm. If you're like the director of whatever, they can go like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and why do we need to pay for it? Right. Right. Uh, the other, just on the coaching subject, um, the thing I like about these USA practices is it helps us as coaches as well because it's this collaborative effort. Because that whole, I'm going to hide my cards and I think I have the, the magic pill and all that stuff fully exists in the coaching realm. In the very, very oh, yeah. small beach volleyball coaching yeah. realm. Like right. every guy and girl thinks they know the secret and like you can't come to my practice and see what I right. I mean. You've been to plenty of practices. Nobody's doing anything earth-shattering. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this drill where you touch five balls with your elbow and all that stuff isn't changing the world of beach volleyball or your team's affecting your team's success-failure rate drastically, right? Yeah. But how can we work together to become better coaches as a unit Mm -hmm. for the betterment of USA Volleyball as a whole? I like that element of it too. Yeah. And I think, let's say someone does come out with some training or like a style of play that that everybody kind of picks up on. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, that that works. Yeah, we're gonna steal it. You just made the entire sport of beach volleyball better. If someone's able to even pull that off, right? Well, that's kind of what we're doing. We're trying to do, right? We're identifying like, oh, hey, look at what the volley Vikings did mm-hmm. this year, and here's what Andy Mole's doing at the net with these right. enormous moves outside his body. We need to train that more into our blocking schemes and Christian running around like digging balls on the move. We need to do that a little bit more as defenders Mm -hmm. if we want to be successful and be competitive with those guys who came out with something pretty new and torched everybody. And I mean, that's how the sport always goes, right? Brazil comes out with something crazy. Giba and Dante indoors are hammering bicks right and so now everybody goes to the bick and now it's just a staple right so how do we figure out how to combat that and then like you said the entire level of the sport raises and people are forced to make adjustments to that new mm-hmm. level and so it's this ongoing chess game you right? want you want to be the one like at the end of your career i think you're going to want to have been the one that pushed the sport that that was pushing that level and raising it and, and having everyone come up to it and then right. maybe someone else does it and you know, be a part of that part of the sport rather than just kind of closed off in your bubble and, and worrying about what everyone else is going to do and if they're going to steal something from you or whatever. Agreed. Yeah. So I'm on board. I think the, the U.S. national team's going in a great direction. I think it was very, like, much a shit show in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I felt kind of bad for Tyler. Just, like, he's trying to do all this, you know, figure out what his job is, impact the national team as much as he can, but there's like so many 
things that like just didn't make sense and everyone's like no that doesn't make sense to us, so we're not gonna do it well he's right. like well i have to do something here right <laughs> well i, I, I think we're very fortunate because i think he's uh i mean not only an incredible student mm-hmm. of the game yeah. i mean he's a big promoter of watching video studying yeah. your own game other people's game uh etc cetera, etc cetera. so he's ridiculously passionate about mm-hmm. the sport, teaching the sport, learning everything about the sport. And then I think he's pretty visionary too about what he wants to do mm-hmm. with this program. And so we're lucky that in such a, a relatively young guy, we have all those attributes. Totally. Uh, yeah. And then the other part of that, if we were to kind of distill it down to why does this program exist at all, we could probably realistically say it's because USA Volleyball at some point was going to implement this system where they're not just handing out money with no say-so over what happens to it. Right, yeah. Right? Totally. Because, you know, I mean, for a long time, for you know, guys like Jake, guys like Phil, the somewhat older players, USA Volleyball wasn't involved at all. So if they played an FIVB, it was completely on their own. They had complete autonomy, but they had no support. Uh, and then so USA Volleyball got involved, gave some financial support, but these guys didn't want to relinquish autonomy. But now you have this weird system where somebody's writing a check and you're asking them to have zero input over what you <laughs> do with that money. And like, <laughs> right. Nowhere in life does that exist, really, mm-hmm. right? USA Volleyball, I think, has done a, a nice job of respecting that they were sort of late to the game and, and allowing that autonomy to still exist. Uh, and we've kind of slowly moved into this hybrid zone. Right. And we're maybe even more slowly moving into a more structured zone where we have this national team system that more closely mirrors right. like an indoor type of a thing. Yeah. yeah. What I'm wondering, do you think that we'll ever get to a point where USA, where if they don't select partnerships, would at least nudge players into because like like you said like they're paying money in indoor it's not like me try you can just like get a band together and we're like all right we're gonna be the u.s national team now yeah i don't know that they would that they're ever going to force partnerships because i'm not so sure that that makes sense other national teams do other they have done that in the past you know i mean a lot of countries you you don't have a ton of options (laughs) right (laughs) yeah it's true christian have a yeah. Anders and Christian. No, they got, <laughs> yeah. they got, they got a couple other good yeah. guys, but I mean, that's certainly their best pairing. Yeah. Um, but what I think the program will allow is, and, and we're already seeing it a little bit, is like Chase Budinger is the perfect example. Guy comes in, phenomenal athlete, phenomenal volleyball player, but it's year one, so he has no points. How do we get him into situations where he can start being competitive, start getting not only those reps, but those points right away. And so you have to sort of, you know, maybe take somebody who's been grinding to to very little success for a couple years on the world tour, but's ahead of chasing points. You have to say, hey, look, I'm sorry. This guy is better than you. And we're putting time and resources and so forth into him and not you. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Kleinman's probably even a better example. Yeah. So she came Fine. from the I, I thought Kleinman was a good example. You're right. No, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a terrible example. No, no but because she, they, she came right into the, like, we're used to, like, before, mm-hmm. it was, like, points. It's all about points. Where are you on right. the rankings? Um, and then, obviously, Sean's been trying to change the sh- system for a while now. 
uh, climbing came in and she's in the USA right away, which right. you have to be on the points, right? We're right. Like, Whoa. Right, it I helped that they went and won to. their first tournament. That right. <laughs> but, but then that's my point. Like they started giving her a little bit, a baseline of there's someone that came from the international. They've proven that they're a to good a athlete. certain extent that they're a great athlete and have a chance to be really good at this. Right. So why would we make it hard on them? Uh, obviously they got to earn it, but they gave her access to the gym, some trainer time, blah, blah, blah. Partners with April wins her first event. And the USA is like, See, this yeah. is why we did it. Sorry that person that was number 12 ranked and got bumped, bumped. down. Right. But not sorry because this is our whole goal is to find the best athletes right. in the U.S. and, and you know. And yeah, and that's athletes. what I mean by it, it more closely mirrors the indoor system because the way it works with the indoor national team it's is I can be there for 10 years and Tri comes in tomorrow and – lights me up in practice and shows mm-hmm. that he's better. And tomorrow he's starting. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, thanks, but this guy's better. And boom, there's World League and uh, try your starting. You know what I mean? But, like, because we can't exactly do that, because, you know, like, we can't just throw you right into the Stad five-star <laughs> right. event, you know, because <clears throat> of points and stuff. But we can say... Hey, we're we're gonna send we're gonna you know pay for your trainer and uh, give you gym time and all these other resources and we're gonna send you to these tournaments so that we can accumulate some points for you so you can get into those maybe a little more quickly than you would have been able to otherwise. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I, you know I mean the rub is for every Alex and every Chase you know there's somebody who seems like maybe they're gonna be on that path and ends up not being right. on that path and totally. so. They have to figure out what the appropriate amount of leeway to give those people is. Yeah. The the appropriate amount of like learning curve that you are trying to be patient through. Yeah. Uh, right before, now, yeah. most recently, we're, uh, Carly Wopat is yeah. now in the system and getting coaching and training. And yeah. she is really new to the beach. I think she's only played in three events. So they're kind of taking a shot on her that we were just kind of talking about with climbing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, because Carly was on the U.S. national team. So mm-hmm. it's cool to see that they are taking shots on people, and it's it's worked out so far on the people that they've picked. Like, yeah, she uh, she gives new meaning to the term flexing on people on the court. Right? <laughs> she's unreal. She was in USA practice today. She's right. uh, partnered with Brittany this year, right, at yeah. And Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you see the, the rawness of just being out in the sand, especially on a windy day like it was today. But yeah. I mean, she's also thumping balls and affecting balls at the net. I mean, and it's not like these great athletes walk out there and look like fools. Right. You know what I mean? There, You see the potential there, and some of the beach-type touch plays, you know they're going to come with right. some time and some experience. She'll be, she'll be real good, I think. Yeah. Now you mentioned the uh, you know high tide lifts all boats type deal. So when you came on to the international team, you sort of saw it at its peak, like with '08. I think that was the first World League title we won indoors, right? Yes. And then we won gold medal, and then you're back in London in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see us w- uh, in terms of beach right now, where the U.S. stands relative to the world? Uh, I mean, that's tough to say because we have some great teams, you know, is our program top to bottom as stacked as Brazil, for example? No, but I mean, nobody is, right? right? I, I don't even, like the day in and day out stress that must exist 
<laughs> trying to represent Brazil yeah. in an Olympic Games is insane. I mean, like the girls that won the Hague are these 20-year-old girls that like were nowhere last year. <laughs> and then did were they in the final of Vegas? Uh, they finished pretty strong. That same team? They were in the final in China. They were in the final in... They in so they're kind of new. Um, they were in. So Rebecca was she won like the P fourteen forty Top Guns thing. So yeah, yeah. They only played like four main draws. All yeah, of but last they were in year, Vegas, right? I know. I know she won that. That's that was like the. Uh, oh yeah, Top Gun was like the King of the Beach. What thing. were their names? Rebecca Cavalcanti and Anna Patricia Silva. That yeah. team was also in the finals in China when me and Trevor won. Yeah, and they won. Like they just they won that one. every final, and I didn't even know their names before. Yep. Right, and, <laughs> and the year before that in the Hague, uh, Maria Antonelli and uh, Carol came yep. out of the qualifier, mm-hmm. yep. and they were in the finals against April and Alex. Yep. So Brazil is just like churning out one new team. After well, yeah, and then you still have uh, Barbara and Fernanda. Uh, you still have Agatha and Duda, Duda won the World Tour finals last year. Dude, I mean, it's like nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's un. It's un- Unreal. And so, like, so, I mean, you go in that country, you go from being in the finals of a four star to like maybe you're starting off your season in like country quotas because this team has (laughs) more recently overtaken you. You know, it's insanity. But we certainly have, you know, I mean, Phil and Nick are still playing. My guys had a pretty good season last year. You guys had a great season last year. I mean, so all two. All two of them. Well, I mean, you kind of kept it rolling, right? So, yeah. Um, if you only played two and you win two, oh, yeah, I know. It's a good season. Um, yeah, so we have some solid teams. It's hard to say that we're as stacked as a program right. as, as Brazil, but yeah. I, I think we're moving in the right direction. I think it's uh, yet to be seen. I mean, I can't claim that that I'm clearly going to go out there and dominate the world um, as much as I want to. If, if it was Phil talking or something, then he could, you know. <laughs> More Everyone correctly. thinks that he he can do what he's always done. Yeah. Um, but I think the U.S. does have the potential to have those teams. We have to go prove it. Right. Guys like me and Trevor, Taylor's got to go prove it. Jake's got to prove it with Taylor. Um, but we have the potential right now. I think uh, maybe even more so than the last few years, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and, I agree. And... and Teams, I mean, there's been so many partner change-ups, so it's yeah. hard to know which team or two below the top three are going to uh, do well, um, three or four. But I, I think I think things are trending up for the U.S., and, and that whole national team vibe that, that Hildebrand's bringing in is, is a big part of it. And I know that we're running short on time for us. We don't yeah. want to keep you over time. But you mentioned your guys, Jake and Taylor, so I kind of want to circle back to them uh, real quick before we have to go. I think that they might have been – I mean, they started out well and had a great season, but I also think they might have been the most improved team uh, that the U.S. has. Like, what did you see for them in terms of growth that ended – I mean, they were contending in every big tournament. Uh, well, late in the season, that was true. We, <laughs> had, uh, we had an interesting season in that we started off – Pretty decent. I mean, depending on, you know, which half of the glass you look at. We went to Florida, won our pool. We beat, I think, Ivandro and Andre, uh, who were the reigning world champs, to win our pool there. But then we lost the, our, our first playoff right. match. The following tournament, we did the same thing. In Qatar, we beat Phil and Nick, actually, in our pool to win that. And then we lost and got ninth. So, like, those were 
good results and that we're beating good teams to win our pool, but then we're not rolling into the playoffs and finishing right. higher. And then we had a couple slip-ups where we got some 17s, and that actually sent us into a qualifier in Vienna. And that's where uh, we ended up finishing fifth there and then fourth in Stad, Um and we had a, a kind of a string of some good results. Uh, you know, I think it's time on the court together, you know, the comfort that comes with that and, and sort of just the chemistry that comes with that. You know, like I said, the guys have a, a really good vibe amongst themselves. Uh, one of the things that we did that I think benefited us a lot was try to encourage Taylor to be a little bit more vocal in pregame stuff. Let us know what you're thinking. Because, you know, actually, uh, Huntington Beach... He talks? <laughs> yeah, when, if you corner him just right. If you, if you two f- uh, guys over 40 and you can corner him. <laughs> um, no, we lost to, to John Mayer and Trevor Crabb in Huntington Beach, and that was a uh, 25th, actually, that finish. Um, and we had gone into that match with a game plan that he went along with because... You know, we said it, right. and he didn't agree with it on any level. And so we we sort of found that out later, and we said, hey, let's make sure that we don't let that happen again because if you have strong feelings about something, we want to at least hear them so right. we can sort of discuss it. If we agree that we're going to go another direction, then we can all be on the same page at least. We don't want you out there, you know, thinking in the back of your head, oh, that ball went down, and that's kind of where I thought I should have been, but we decided right. I was going to be over here or whatever it is, you know. Um, and so I think that was a beneficial thing for our team to to have him a little bit uh, in a more proactive type of a role because Jake, with his wealth of experience, is actually uh, something I love about him is he's a guy he he wants to identify people that he trusts and wants to work with, and then he wants them to just point him in the right direction. And he's very, very good at taking direction following direction you know i mean he wants to kind of take his mind out of it right and go do what he does and just be pointed in the right <clears> direction you know he does that in the weight room got a guy tim Polo. We, we just got christian mm-hmm. uh hartford hartford that's awesome he was down at the beach today uh, you know and so he he identifies the people that he wants to work with that he trusts and then lets them do their thing which you know not everyone has that ability not everyone has that approach uh, and so Taylor is obviously somebody he has a tremendous amount of respect for and trust in. Uh, and so Taylor kind of contributing his viewpoints to things really helps us out a lot because okay. he can direct the big fella from not only scouting report meetings, but on the court as well. Yeah. And then last question for you. This mm-hmm. is a question we ask every guest. Okay. If you had to give any piece of advice to an up and coming beach volleyball player, what would that piece of advice be? Any piece of advice? Well, that's a good question. Man, there's so many little ones, but uh, I, you know, I work with this with these girls every now and then down in Huntington. Uh, they're 13, and they're one of them six one. It's astounding. <laughs> <laughs> like studs are right? the other one's left-handed and is just like chopping people up. But uh, one of the things I focus on with them more recently is serving, all right? Because we, we hear these kind of cliches all the time, coaching cliches, like, hey, 
be comfortable being uncomfortable and can control what you can control and all that stuff. Like those things are cliche, but they're also very true. Right. Right. As far as the control, what you can control thing, I think oftentimes, you know, and I'll kind of circle back to what I was saying with my guys about narrowing your focus. Yeah. We don't have as much attention to detail as I think we're capable of having. So as it pertains to serving, am I going back there and just trying to make it or am I going in with a plan? I want to serve, try short to his sideline because that's going to get me, you know, X result. And I, and I try and do that because especially serving is the only thing I get to control. Right. Like start to finish. Um, and so the way I explain it to, I don't know, even little kids all the way up to my guys is things are going to typically snowball one way or the other. If I do something good, it tends to snowball in my favor. If I don't pay attention and I don't pass this free ball well or whatever, it it unfortunately snowballs the wrong way for me, right? And obviously I want that to snowball in my direction. So control what you can control and attention to detail are, are huge, huge things. All right. Well, I know you got to run. Uh, so appreciate you coming on, Absolutely. hanging out with us. Good luck to you and Jake, or you and uh, Jake and Taylor this yeah. season. And uh, hopefully, we'll have you on again. Yeah, man. I'd love it. Sweet. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Thanks, sir. Shoots, shoots, shoots. <laughs> <laughs>